Just some podcast media. The thoughts and opinions expressed on Buried Pleasures are those of the host and the guests and do not represent any views of any organizations that we may volunteer for or be employed by. Listeners should be aware that there may, most likely, be profanity and discussions on topics that may require a little discretion. You have been warned. I came from the mud. There's dirt on my hands. Strong like a tree. There's roots where I stand. Welcome, welcome to another episode of Very Pleasures. I'm your hostess with the mostest, Polly and Amazing. Today's episode, we're going to talk about sex education and parenting. And I have invited my wonderful friend, Christopher, to join me today. Christopher, introduce yourself. Tell the folks who you are. Thank you for having me. Again, my name is Christopher Hetzer. I'm a nurse for 13 years. And the latter part of that, I have been in community health and have really branched into sexual health and what that entitles for not just adults, but also kids and how we can start bridging the gap between all of our ages because everyone has sex. True story on that. Some of us more than others. No shame. Some people don't want to have sex. Some people just like to experience pleasure in other ways. And that's what this show is about is educating people on pleasure, not just sexual but a lot of it is. Christopher and I have been trying to figure out what we're going to do in terms of how we're going to present some information on the best way, in our opinion, again, always our opinion, on how to breach the subject of sexuality with your children. And of course, we all aren't the same, right? Everybody has their own likes and loves and hates and whatnot. And so that's what we're going to discuss today. And I'm really excited because I've gotten the opportunity now to check out some of the statistics from the states around us. And Ohio is not necessarily number one on the top 100 list of, oh, I should say top 50, right? (laughs) There's only 50 states. Top 50 states to teach sex education. Christopher, let's talk about what brought you into your nursing journey of education with sexuality? It's actually a quite personal story and one that we've talked about in a previous show, but I am a gay man. I'm cisgendered and growing up in the early 80s or late 80s, early 90s, there's still that stigma of being gay. So that suppression of being who you are, that led to eventually into my young adult life, some sexual experiences that did involve drugs and an addiction that then also got me diagnosed with HIV. So I wanted to rewrite a lot of these wrongs. And because of that experience, I don't want anyone else to go through that darkness. That's very isolating. I pride myself because I've always found a way to get back on top. And this is the one way that I know how to rewrite the wrongs to make it right and to really help people move forward. Awesome. So do you think, which I'm sure this is just an obvious question, how you were taught as a child or the things that you witnessed as a child really was the driving factor? You've had these experiences and you've gone through some shit. I'm just going to put it like that. You've gone through some shit. You've gone through some things that I never, I, I can't even begin to scratch the surface of thinking of how I would deal with my life. You've gone through it and you are making tremendous strides. And I know that you are really putting out a lot of content on TikTok to help educate. And I hope that you're doing really well over there. But 
the thing is, when it comes to being the parent, you just don't know what to say to your kids a lot of the times. And now, like you were saying in the 80s, 90s, things were tough. Back when I was a kid, I didn't know what gay was. I didn't know what people of color were because I came from this little microcosm of Kentucky that didn't have anything different than the plain white folks that all went to the same church. Like there were a couple of different churches. I'm not going to lie. But there were, there's not a huge group of people that you can look to other than these religious figures who are supposed to be the live in, the die all best. And sometimes they got in trouble for cheating on their spouses or doing things that were deemed unacceptable. So that's where religion for me came in as that early educator of you're not allowed to swim with boys. You're a girl. You have to have long hair. You're not allowed to wear pants. What the hell is that about anyway? You can't wear pants. That makes you less feminine or I don't know, you're trying to show your body off. Like mixed signals for kids, you know? And so as a parent now, my kids are older. Like I'm a grandma now. Anyway, (laughs) I love that grandkid though. But in that thinking, I have always been open and honest with my kids and tried to prevent some of the shame that I think I felt whenever I was their age. So in your line of business that you're doing now, you're educating on sexually transmitted infections and all of those sorts of things. So tell me, what's a typical day for you look like? I will help oversee a team that will see a range of patients from hepatitis C. We have a lot of immigrant mothers who do get HIV and get pregnant and then come to the clinic to have a safe delivery and keep the baby negative. And that is from HIV, excuse me. And that's the ultimate goal. So we do help coach those mothers and families to make sure the delivery is healthy as possible. There are some kids who do get HIV from various sources, whether it be through labor or because they're in a different country, not so many resources available, and then come to the United States, we just help keep them as healthy as possible. That's um, amazing. Also, unfortunately, do have those kids ranging from 2 to 17 who are sexually assaulted, and helping those families do the appropriate testing to make sure that physically we're taking care of the kid. I, my clinic doesn't see the mental health aspect of things, but we just make sure that they're connected with all the resources. Gotcha. So you do multidisciplinary teams. So you have social work and doctors, nurses, all of those things that are working together to help these kids and their families. Because again, when you have been brought up to believe certain things, people have their own value systems. They have their own thoughts on what's right or wrong. And as we have seen in the recent news here in Columbus alone, kids are being read to by drag queens, which is causing these big, terrible problems. And people have a problem with that. I myself personally think it's a wonderful thing to expose kids to different people. That's my opinion. Some people may not share that. I think that we should, again, run the rainbow of everything. When you're talking about parents, have you run into parents that have really caused you a lot of grief? Or do you find that parents now are seem to be more open to being educated? Back first with the drag queen point. Yeah. In my experience as a nurse, and I'm over 13 years of nursing experience, not one assault has been made by an LGBT Q plus individual or a drag queen. It's always been by usually a male figure. There are... Okay. Some females that do assault male kids as well, but just to put that out there. Right. 
It's just a side note on that. And I use the term drag queen. I hope that is not offensive to anybody. People in drag. How about that? I try as hard as I can to also not put my own foot in my mouth. But that's the thing. These are performers. These are people that are living their best lives by being able to dress up and be glittery and beautiful. And I think that expression has to be one of the most genuine things because not everybody gets to put on the other hats, the fun hats. We have work hats. We have mom hat, dad hat, all those serious business things. We don't get to go have fun and just let loose. And I think that's something that I learned a lot about whenever I learned about drag is that what fun. I just saw a picture with the MASH character back in the I forget what decade, 60s, 70s, but like where he's in this pink outfit dress. And I'm just like, it's been around for decades. Like it's not that big of a deal. But when it comes to parents in my work setting, no. Usually when people have come to me, they've already seen the effect of what sex can do. So then it becomes like a coaching moment of how to keep that communication going. Now on the computer, on different social media platforms, yes, I've had the hate. Like people are like, people are too young, you're a groomer. And I just keep rolling my eyes because I am hitting a more positive and more people are hearing the message. It's when people can hide behind a screen is when I get the worst comments. (laughs) I, I totally understand that. I turn my comments off a lot because, and this is something I've said since the day I started my podcast is if you like it or love it, tell people about it. Let me know that you do. But if you don't, I don't care. So don't. (laughs) I'm not one. I do constructive criticism, but when it comes in the form of just like you were saying, you're teaching kids, it's hateful, it's, it's wrong. For some people it works. And in my experience, I've also been in nursing for a long time, but in my experience, the same. I have never once had an issue that I've been afraid to tell a parent, hey, listen, something's going on. You've got to start educating. You have kids that come into the ER with foreign bodies in places that they're not supposed to be because nobody educated them on safety. I think we're born curious humans. We're supposed to learn. Now, whether you want to get graphic with your child or whether you agree or don't agree with anything that we're saying today, you have to make those decisions. So hopefully some of the things that we say today might help somebody say, okay, I might feel comfortable speaking about just basic relationships first. I always like to say, let's learn how to relate before we have jump on that ship because it's really hard. And now with as much wonderful media that's out there, there are more gay and lesbian people out in the world or more visualized than they were before. I'm sure there's always been gay and lesbian people. There's always been people who identify as asexual, don't want to do anything. There are always people who have identified as something and bringing those people to light. If you've never heard of it, how do you know? How do you know how to talk about it or How do you know? How do you know? That's just it. How do you know? (laughs) I have some statistic numbers that I can, like in 2019, like 83% of parents said it's important to have sex ed and 80% said that needs to be in the schools, but only 43% of parents were actually talking to their kids about it. To what level, I don't know. 
And that leaves 57% of parents that were either uncomfortable, slightly comfortable, didn't know how to have that conversation. That's a huge percentage of people. (laughs) For sure. For sure. That's a lot of people out there drowning, right? Like one of the jobs of a nurse is to help people. And you get really, sometimes you wake up and you believe it, right? Like you're supposed to help people. And that comment that you just made is perfect. Who's helping the 57 other percent of people who are just out there flapping in the wind, not knowing what's going on? And maybe for some folks, not having any education is okay, but it was never okay in my house, not for my kids. And I've talked about my children on the show plenty. Definitely. They talk about me all the time. They're like, mom, stop already. But My experience in life is what I like to tell others about. I started my daughters very young learning about their own sexuality because it's important. And also I had shared parenting with their father who wasn't really super comfortable about talking about periods and lady things. That's (laughs) lady things. And for some moms, having a son, if you're a single mom, talking about masturbation, you know, my son's not coming to me immediately and saying, mom, I had a wet dream last night. He would absolutely die. He never listens to this show, but if you heard me say this, he would absolutely die. He never did that. That was private for him. And I don't know if his father ever talked to him about that kind of stuff or not. We don't have that kind of relationship. Who the heck are teaching these kids this stuff? Is it lazy parenting to allow them to let other people teach them? I think parents nowadays, I'm an uncle and I've had now a 16 year old who's been in my life. Parents are being bombarded with a lot more dangerous topics. So we have active shooters, more lethal drugs. It's more than just pot now. Like we have fentanyl that's in all of our substances of choice, inflation, and that's causing many parents, single parents to work two, three jobs, and they might not have the time to have that quality communication. Right. And there's like a lack of trusted high quality safety nets and resources because of a lot of the misinformation around sex education and sex resources and sex health. And a lot of parents have their own traumas that they are bringing to the table and If they haven't had the mental health therapy that they need, that's going to be a huge factor in how they communicate with their kids. A lot of the terminology has changed. Now kids are talking in emojis. I talk in emojis like we're going back to Egyptian times now. Like. And so in these sex topics don't have these role models that people can really lean on to during these difficult conversations. So I think, yes. Parents need to have that relationship with their kids where it's open and honest and they're building off of more than one conversation. It's multiple conversations. And with all of these factors, like parents can't be as emotionally close or open or unbiased as they would like to be. And it just creates a lot of conflict internally. And then it gets awkward when you're trying to tell your 16 year old or about the birds and the bees. Hopefully it's done a lot sooner. I just threw a number out, but um, <laughs> it's my opinion. And it's okay. It, and you don't know. So that's why I tell parents, like, practice the conversation with each other first. Get it down. I'm a writer. I have my outline. And so I, I like to plan things. And having that conversation with your neighbor, your partner, your married person, it just is going to make that conversation go a lot more smooth. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. I look back at how I learned about sex and sexuality, and it was all from my older cousin. That's where I got my information from. She was my Encyclopedia Britannica of the time, let's say, which made me end up having intercourse a lot earlier than I would have ever wanted my girls to. And I don't blame anybody for that. That was me trying to act older trying to impress people. And I think that happens with females quite a bit, especially social media. You know how that goes. Girls are not nice people. It's an interesting thing to think about how, where do you learn it from? Where did you learn about the actual act of intercourse? Do you remember? I was fortunate enough to where I had a mom who was a nurse, a dad who was a firefighter, paramedic. So even though I had pieced things together myself, those yeah. conversations were happening to where I was like, okay, and this is how it works. Today's high school students, they say their parents either are poor communicators. They, even though they have adolescents are the highest risk for STIs and make up, I think, 46% of all sexually transmitted diseases or infections. I was fortunate enough to have those conversations at an early age. I didn't have to have my peers tell me. Although a lot of adolescents nowadays, it's the peers. They're going to be the first, if they get raped, they're going, their peers are going to be the first to know and not their parents. And so then I also encourage parents, like having that open communication with your child, you could be saving the life of their friends. Hopefully your kid will then say, hey, John just got touched inappropriately by the neighbor so-and-so, and then you can escalate the concern forward. So it's... Communication is more than just a back and forth. It goes deeper and it can be a safety net for people. Being the nurse mom, my daughter would say, one of my friends is asking what happens if this happens. In that, I have to say, hey, listen, that's a mom, dad, parent topic that they need to talk to their daughter about. I will give all of the free advice that you want because I like to talk. <laughs> All day long. But definitely there have been times that I have to just back up and say, okay, you can like friends of my daughters or son, even if you want to talk to me, I will absolutely be a vessel. You can dump all of your hurt and questions or whatever it is that you need right here. But do also remember that in that, if I feel like there's something that I feel is dangerous or you're causing yourself harm, I'm going to have to reach out. I'm never going to reach out to your parent without letting you know before so we can talk it through why I think that this is important. And I only had to actually do that a couple times in all the years that I've been running and talking constantly. But there are times whenever kids just get themselves into a, a lot of trouble by trying to emulate what they see on TV, on a movie, in a song, things that we have no control over. But again, like you were saying earlier, we don't know where some of these parents are coming from either. If you had an abusive situation that you were a part of as a child growing up, maybe your thoughts about sexuality or love are something totally different than your next door neighbor or, you know, a group of church folks that, you know, that's one of the biggest deterrents for a lot of parents I see, because think about the statistics there are on rape or incest, things that happen to kids. Traumas in youth are huge. 
which makes you then stop talking, stop thinking about those topics. It's scary. And for me, I always go back to the fact that there were three girls that were pregnant in my sixth grade class. What is that? Sixth grade, sixth grade. And I'm pretty sure that one of them, there was a child of their father. So how do you teach safety? Number one, not just sexuality, but how do you teach people to feel safe? I don't know the answer to that. That's one of the reasons why I do this show, because I just feel like people need to be able to talk. Some people can't. Yeah. And I think it's more than teaching. It's be able to create that safety. And one person can't create an environment of safety. It has to be a community. You're right. It's that whole, it takes a tribe. It takes a village to raise kids. That's a, a no truer statement could have been said because you really do. Your kids are not going to be with you forever and they are going to find their own friends and they're going to figure it out. And it's one of the things now that I guess that my kids are that transitional. They've graduated from high school. I've got one left. They've graduated from high school. They have friends outside of the home. They don't live at home anymore. And it's really a strange thing to think that if I weren't the one who talked to them, who was going to do it, right? But again, I luckily, I was capable of doing that. So I think people like you who work in the healthcare field that actually talk to youth about sexually transmitted infections, which I have the hardest time saying, not disease, because that's what, when I was in nursing school, it was STD, transmitted infections, which sounds way better than disease, 100%. But then also when I was a child, or I, there was no HIV cure. There were no medications that would allow you, like if you got HIV, you were dead. Yes. And how scary and how terrible to watch all of the hate that happened after that. That was the first time I can remember as a child ever hearing my parents talk about people who were homosexual. What does homosexual mean even? You know, I don't understand. I remember asking that. And I remember my mother specifically saying, none of your business. You're not that. (laughs) Fast forward to me, 50 year old me. And I like, I don't not have any friends that aren't something other than heterosexual, I think for me is beautiful because I want to have people around me who love me and I don't care who you take to bed or what you do when you go home. I want to surround myself with people who are loving and accepting. And I think that's one of the best things about the LGBT community is that there's a lot of accepting folks out there. And, yes. and it's, it's a lot better than the, the church environment that I grew up in. In the fact that there's some openness to that. I love my church people just a little differently. It's a little different. <laughs> it's a little, I don't want to go into a whole deconstructing Christianity discussion because I'm not there. I appreciate the upbringing that I got and who I am in this moment because of that. And you're just a plus for me. I love having you on the show. Tell me some more about what you researched. Just more advice for parents. A lot of parents do report being uncomfortable with addressing it. And when the child, adolescent, young adult do start talking about an interest in sex or they have questions about sex or their actual engagement in sex, like parents tend to freak out and spaz out and have this really dramatic outburst. If you masturbate too much, you're going to go blind. And they just start leaning into the old wives tales that they've heard or the information that their parents told them. And it's funny, like over 
67% of today's parents say their parents did a poor job. You're going to report that it's poor, but that's where you're going to. But it's in that moment and you're freaking out. That's when I said, just start talking. You're going to mess up. You're going to fuck up. But you know what? (laughs) Kids, if you're willing to talk things out, say you're sorry, say I don't know, find the information, kids are going to respect you a lot more. Like when parents like act like it doesn't exist, it doesn't happen. That's when the more risky behaviors of adolescents happen. They're going to figure it out one way or another because hormones are going, curiosity is going, peer pressure is happening, that rebel attitudes happening like it's going to happen eventually and try not to dramatize things controlling the teenager or kids behavior because again that's only going to encourage the act and try not to close the door by just shutting down the conversation it's hard then like to move forward after you've had those initial outbursts because that's going to cause the kid to backtrack. So having that pre-conversation with your significant other, or if you are a single parent, plan it out. Really ask yourself, am I being biased? Am I closing the conversation down? Is what I'm saying supported medically and evidence-based? So that way kids are armed with as much information as possible. And personally, even though I had all of this information as a kid, like my personal traumas from rape to religious trauma to et cetera, et cetera, led me to my own, I'm going to call it awakening. I had to go through some darkness to understand who I was, but parents just need to pre-plan, prepare is what I wanted to say, just how they're going to have that conversation. So that way they're not in that spaz, like, oh my God, how do I react? (laughs) Yeah, I've been there. Yeah, definitely. My oldest daughter ran me through the gauntlet, (laughs) let me just say, because she was the one that was the most curious. She was the one that wanted to, mom, what do vibrators do? Mom, what a deal do, you know, and I'm just like in my mind thinking, God, what am I doing? How am I going to approach this? She's my oldest daughter. I don't want her to come out of this with some kind of weird and unusual trauma because her mom's a psychotic (laughs) and talks about sex and, and those kinds of things all the time. But in all honesty... I think that I always said that I wanted a relationship with my children, that I could talk to them about anything, that they could feel like if they just murdered somebody, they could come to me and say, mom, help. And I would be able to do that for them. I wanted that. That's one of the, that was it. That's my big thing. Please talk to me about whatever is hurting you or whatever you think might be going on because you might be misinformed. Let me help you. And thank goodness that happened. But then my oldest daughter never shows up and she tells me stuff and I'm just like, Ugh, okay. I'm not mad at her. But <laughs> And Antonia, if you're listening, and I know you are, I love you. Anyway. <laughs> That's awesome. You had that conversation about vibrators and masturbation because it also will teach a person that they don't need another person or people to pleasure themselves or to pleasure to seek your pleasure out that way. And correct. Like you are in charge of your own sexuality and expression, which is really hard. It's hard for adults to do that because you get into that. How many times have I seen couples and when I've done Tantra or something like that, that have said to me, he masturbates all the time. He doesn't help me have orgasms. Why aren't you helping you? 
do your own orgasms. That goes back to what you were saying with religious traumas, sexual traumas. If you've been taught your whole life that it's dirty to touch your body, then what are you going to do? You're going to think, oh, I better not. So you can do it for me. And that would be way less worse. <laughs> way less trouble if you do it. That goes in with the whole uh, being married. Of course, you know, with heterosexual couples, that was the big thing. Don't have sex before you're married, right? But now, thank goodness, we have these nice laws that now gay couples can have to go through that too. That's why I love to say, I love to share in the guilt. Thanks for getting married. <laughs> Thanks for having that. I shouldn't have to be the only mom that's stressed out. There should be other moms out there. But no, I really think that with all of the changes that are happening, and honestly, there are a lot of states out there that are stepping up, but then we're going backwards in so many ways. You know, this hard push for education, knowledge is really being forced backwards by entities who are saying, oh, education is wrong. Education is never wrong. Book burning and book banning Never wrong. Um, excuse me. Uh, burning and and banning is always wrong. Sorry about that. We'll cut that. Anyway, maybe we won't. Maybe we'll leave it in there. I say some really stupid things a lot of the times, but at least I caught that one. Anyway, but not having educational things available, even if we think that they are the worst thing ever, having the ability to do a comparison of your own is totally different than having somebody say to you, this is my belief and what this is, and you should believe it. That's one of the greatest things about Buddhism is that you learn to seek your own answers, right? There are some really wonderful things out there. You have to find out and there's never a right or wrong. It's just what's going on in the moment, right? That being said, do you have any other things you'd like to add today? Yeah, I actually just read this last night on the mm. California Youth Act, and I want to start doing some investigating to see what's here in Ohio. But I liked how the California Youth Act targeted youth ed- sex education and not only made it like inclusive, medically based, scientifically proven information mandates that all sex ed classes have to provide local resources and for students to be able to go to clinics to find where these healthcare settings are where they can get their sex health resources. That's fantastic. I vote for if you're sexually active and you're able to make decisions, you should be able to, without your parents knowing, be able to get STI testing. I'm a little bit more progressive in that if you do get positive for whatever, you can also get treatment and that it is that 16, 17 year old's right to keep that to themselves. Someone who was raped at 17, I got testing by myself. Thankfully, I was negative. But because I didn't want to be open about being gay, having that conversation that my experience might then be a broken floodgate of information, I'm thankful I was negative because I would have had to be completely open about everything when I wasn't for sure where I was in the continuum of things. And I would like to start learning to see what Ohio does or has for sex health and what resources are out there. Well, definitely have you back on the show for that. Most definitely. I think, honestly, what you were saying, just the advent of quick testing, for one, has been the rapid testing has been awesome for folks. And the availability of counseling, 100%. I'm a huge fan of multidisciplinary teams of people getting together to help because 
one group of people may have not seen something that this other group of people saw. And then you come together and you get to talk about it. And that lends to helping more people. I want to help people. I don't know if you know this about me or not anymore. I think I said it like 30 times. I want to help people. And I want to talk a lot at the same time. So it's a win-win situation. But no, I think that I saw so much sadness and pain in my life just from people who didn't know what was going on. It's really a nice thing to be able to say, hey, if you need me, I can help you. And if I can't help you, I know somebody who can. And that's why I started Buried Pleasures Podcast. And I'm going to continue to do those types of things so that my great-grandchildren can hear me talk about sex stuff. <laughs> you know, and pleasure. No, I'm not going to be grandma or nana or any of that. I'm pretty. <laughs> I'm pretty. <laughs> my grandma is beautiful, too. I love it. Christopher, it is so awesome. Where can these folks find you on social media? So all of my social media platforms are publicly open. You have my full name, Christopher Hetzer. My TikTok is Chris underscore sex health nurse, underscore nurse. I forget how I wrote that. We'll put it on our page. Don't you worry. (laughs) You probably know that. Wow. But my Instagram and TikTok, they are linked together. But my Facebook is open to a lot of parents nowadays and older are more on the Facebook thing platform than Instagram and TikTok. So I try to be available. Give me some time. I also work full time. Um, <laughs> try to have some me time too. I will filter out if it sounds like an urgent message versus this can wait for a minute. So that way I can have my work-life balance. And oh, you yeah. have to do that same. I Like I say, it's sometimes I turn off my comments because I don't care. Not because I don't care that if you want to reach out, you you know, feel free. We all have our own lives and I cannot care about everything because sometimes you can't give from an empty cup. Exactly. We have to unplug every so often. (laughs) That is correct. But Christopher, as always, it has been an absolute pleasure. And we're going to do this again. Christopher and I are going to do some more talk about sex education in parenting coming up. Don't you worry. It's going to happen. And hopefully you all will be back. And please, by all means, find him on social media. He's got some great TikToks. This is Pollyanna Amazing. You can find me at Buried Pleasures, one on TikTok, which is terrible. And also Buried Pleasures on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Yeah, I'm on the Twitter. That's my favorite. I have some really awesome people that I love on the Twitters. But thank you guys so much for checking out Buried Pleasures and we hope to see you soon. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Christopher. Bye-bye.